Do you have more? Oh. <laughs> well, I wanted to, uh, uh, this morning, as a, oh, I guess the kids can go down. I forget that, too. <laughs> 11 and under, Miss Ashley's got some awesome stuff for you guys this morning. Amen. Thank you, Kelsey and Peyton. funny when I was thinking of the kids singing and I hear they're, you know, they don't have that full adult voice yet. And it's really sweet. It's precious. Uh, we were at the volleyball tournament. This little girl was walking by and she must have been like three or four. And she was smiling and I smiled at her and she just was like, you know. And I thought of that verse immediately of the kingdom of God being such as these because that's 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 the example. And, uh, you know, we, we get kind of just bogged down with life, and we lose the smile and the, and the, uh, and the way, don't we? So, but uh, this morning I wanted us to uh, to partake with communion right now. I, uh, I wanted us to kind of reflect on that um, as a not-so-normal Christian life. If we could have the uh, ushers come forward and deacons, and uh, we'll start passing those out. about the uh, not so normal Christian life and what makes our life completely different than the world is the very blood of Jesus Christ. And we come here celebrating today. There's two, two things we do when it comes to communion. Is one, we celebrate. We thank God Almighty and we're rejoicing in the fact that he took our pain and our suffering. He paid the price. And the other thing is also reflecting and saying, God, there are some things that I need to bring back under the foot of the cross and bring back under the blood. I mean, you know, sometimes we can kind of do things our own way. And uh, bringing our minds back under the cross, bringing our heart, bringing everything that can be selfish, anything that we might say that is not lining up with the Lord, we give that to Him today. We might not figure it out. We might not know how. It might be a need. It might be just something we're struggling through. Say, God, I don't know how, but I give this to you today. Why don't we just take just a few minutes to kind of reflect on that before we partake together.
prepare our hearts, Holy Spirit, to quicken us and quicken our minds and our thoughts and just to kind of reflect and enjoy it. You know, it's kind of, I thought of that verse as I was sitting there, be still and know that I am God. Amen. It's pretty hard to be still. And uh, we partake together in these moments real quick here. Jesus took the wine and he said, this is my this is my body, and this is my blood. So we partake together. Going away. How many know when 
God puts something in you and it's not going away. It just keeps growing. You know, it just is really neat. So when I was sitting at the pool with the kids, I downloaded an app on the Bible app, a, a visioneering devotional, just kind of having vision and developing that. It's going to take time. But here's what sparked on all this. I say all that to this is I kind of threw it out there to the church. And uh, I didn't get stoned, first of all. That was an important thing. <laughs> I, I, but the other thing that started happening is people started coming up to me after church on Sunday kind of excited about the possibilities. I had Nathan came up to me and he said, Steve, where is this place you're talking about? Now, I thought, hey, we were driving down there. That's the other part of the story. There's a little building there that's about a block down right before Durascular. And it used to be the old uh, May Bright. And then John told me it used to be a Dairy Mart or something. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. So the history, I don't know if this happens. Folks, what I'm just telling you is it's going to evolve, and it's going to grow, and we're going to do some crazy things. Can I get an amen there? Amen. So David, he's like, where is this place? Showing it. Then, then we, I heard other people talking. My mom telling me about things, and Anita, all these people coming forward just asking questions. And then John hit me up today, and John's really good. He's been in the uh, construction industry, so he has a lot of practical advice and knowledge. And so it's just kind of neat that people have kind of come out. Uh, of the woodwork, so to speak, to really uh, offer assistance and saying, hey, yeah, they're kind of excited about it. They're not saying, we can't do this. They're saying, how can we do this? And uh, there's a lot to the story as the story grows. Um, so I don't know yet. If you have a lot of questions, I hopefully can provide you more questions when we're done. But, um, but anyways, I wanted to talk about that to kind of spearhead physically how the not-so-normal-Christian life works out in our own lives. Turn to someone and say, you're not a normal person. <laughs> normal people are boring people. Yes. I don't want to be a normal person. I want to be somebody who is not only surprised by what the Holy Spirit is trying to get me to do, but also willing to do what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. I don't want to do what Steve wants to do all the time. I want to do things and step out and say, hey, let's grow. Let's see what happens. This is an exciting thing. We're supposed to be the most excited people in the world. I said the world, you see that world. <laughs> We're supposed to be the exciting folks of the world. We're supposed to have the party. We're supposed to have just the, the go after spirit. And so often we get lost in the dust because we're sitting around waiting for the rapture to happen. God has stuff for us to do in these last days. Three things are refuse to accept the world as it is. Number one. Turn to someone and say, the world don't have to stay this way. Number two is recover the dream. All of us has a dream. And number three, redefine your faith. I believe that for all of us, we're going to have to really take some introspective situations and start looking inward as opposed to looking outward and look inward and say, what's going on in my faith? Why are things not working? Why, why am I stuck? What's going on? And, and maybe you're not stuck. Maybe things are very fluid right now in your life and you're really moving in step with the Spirit. That's a wonderful thing. Keep that up. But turn real quick to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I said last week, too, that being led there literally means having that knowledge of doing something. It's not just foundational doctrinal knowledge that we all have. A lot of, a lot of us have good doctrine. That's wonderful. 
But now being led by the Spirit is for God to say, hey, Steve, go do this. Or, hey, John, go do that. Hey, George, go do this. Hey, Margaret, go do that. There's not a verse in Scripture that says, hey, Margaret, go do this, is there? No. Okay, good. <laughs> Refuse to accept the world as it is. British abolitionist William Wilberforce, one of the heroes I want to meet someday in heaven, said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. And so for us here in the church, and for us looking at the needs of the people, and realizing the whole goal of Turning Point Church is to see people come to Christ. That's it. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, the Bible declares. Our goal in stepping out of these four walls is for us to continue to see the idea of Christ and see everyone come to Jesus Christ in the saving knowledge. You may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. How many of us have to raise your hands, but we've looked the other way sometimes? I think for all of us, what we're going to have to do if we're going to start to step out in areas and continue, I shouldn't say to start, our church has been stepping out of some pretty amazing things and developing relationships with FIT and other things that we do. Um, Samaritan's Purse, so this is not by any means a start, but it's continuing to go deeper in this experience, is to develop a sense of obligation. We're obligated. You know, I mentioned in that uh, song that I will be my brother's keeper. I will be my brother's keeper. I will look at these people. I will look at these situations. And I will learn to, to go into that and to carry each other's burdens and to go after those situations and say, change can be made. Change can happen. Romans chapter 1, verse 12. Let's turn there real quick. A couple chapters back. Romans 1, verse 12. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have among the Greeks. I am obligated, everyone say obligated, to both Greeks and non-Greeks, to both wise and foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. He said this, Paul said this, I'm obligated. And that's how we start, have to start looking at situations and people. We have to say, listen, I can't solve all the world's problems. How many know we can get involved in a whole lot of stuff? So I don't want people to get under any kind of guilt or condemnation there. God will lead us, and God will lead you individually how you're to help. I've had people call me on the phone and say, Steve, would you like to help this great cause? We're doing this. And I'm saying, sorry, I'm just not, not interested in that. Thank you so much, though, because I've got, I'm doing other things right now, and that's where I'm at. It's okay to say no, right? So we need to understand about obligation that as you're drawn into that, and that's where the Spirit's leading happen. There's a lot of good causes. There's a lots of things you can do. But we need to understand it and say, God, where are you sending me right now in this particular time, in this particular space? But we can't sit by and do nothing. Second part, refusing the world as it is, is determined to do something. You're going to do something. So what are you going to do? I don't know. I heard someone talking about, like, if your family member was going through a very life-threatening illness, and kind of what you would do to try to get that person better, if there was that only that one shot, and that shot was a $100,000 shot, you would probably put a mortgage on your home, you would do anything you can, you would call relatives, you would set up campaigns, you would do anything and everything you could do to try to solve that loved one's problem, wouldn't you? 
determined to do something. That turning point for us, when we determine to do something and go out there, we have to work within the context of what God's given to us. But we do have to be innovative as far as what we're going to do. Wikipedia, don't you love Wikipedia? <laughs> Wikipedia defines innovation as the process of making improvements by introducing something new. Do you want to get off your bumper? Turn somebody say, can you get off your bumper? You want to get off your bumper, you start to think about improving on something that's already going on. You say, well, that's great. Let's start to improve this. Let's start to make this better. Let's start to get this kind of woke up. And it's funny, these last few weeks, I was working with Mike, and we were kind of developing a letter for work. And we sent a letter out to our customers, and it kind of just a real basic, full-color letter. It's neat. We put it out there. But I'm like, man, we just need to change this letter up. It just needs to, people have seen the same thing, done the same thing. It's okay to kind of change a little bit, isn't it, in the church? Kind of change things up, put the things different. Mike made it great and spectacular, made it pop, it was great. We'll get that out there, but we're just kind of changing things up. And you know, sometimes those small changes in your life are the changes that are going to make all the difference in the world for you. Small, little thoughts and ideas as you start to go in there infecting that. Edward Gibono said this, he's a psychologist. He said, there's no doubt that creativity is the most important human resource of all. Craig Groeschel wrote on creativity. He said, without creativity, there would be no progress, and we would forever be repeating the same patterns. Turn real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <coughs> Paul was very innovative in his thought, and I love this scripture for all of us in the church as we kind of get comfortable. First Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 20. Actually, we'll start in verse 19. Paul's use of his freedom. You know, that's the neat thing with freedom. God gives us our... We have a God-given brain to offer solutions. You know, we, we, we think we have to just pray every second of the day and do this or that. God leads us. And that's the beautiful thing, man. If you're in the will of God, you really don't have to pray a lot, do you? You're there. You're walking with him. He walks with me. He talks with me. If God doesn't want you in something, he's going to put the brakes on something. I have a sign in my office that said, life needs more green lights, doesn't it? In the city of Rockford, we need more green lights. But we need green lights. We need to, our, our, our position needs to be, if we're going to be innovative and we're going to step outside the box and turning point and do some cool, interesting, new things, do you know what we've got to do? We've got to become people that are not just stop and wait for a green light. We've got to go until God tells us to stop. It's a complete opposite situation. But here's what Paul chose to do. I love this. He said, though I'm free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, I became like the one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became the weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessing. 
becoming all things to all people. Practically, that works beautiful as the church, as we grow in the ideas and the solutions that God provides for us. You know, God will give us solutions to help the needy in our community. Isn't that great? Isn't that neat? God will give us solutions to grow in people's life and to influence them. Because why? We're becoming all things to all people. We wear a different hat. We come into situations. And I'll never forget, there was a great book written uh, years ago called The Unchurched Harry and Mary. And it was written in the 90s. Very good book about reaching the lost and reaching out across the neighborhoods and situations. People who are not in church, if they were walking here and never been around church, they would think we're the silliest, crazy people in the whole wide world. Talking about blood and crosses and what's all this lingo? What's this church stuff? So we get out into the world and we get out with the people and among the people. And we become all things to all people to reach them for Jesus Christ. Refuse to accept the world as it is. Folks, instead of saying we can't, we will begin to proclaim, you say it with me, I can. I can. We can't do it. Why not? It's kind of funny when I see the picture and you start to develop that imagination for things as God kind of writes those ideas down. You kind of draw a picture in your mind. You put it on paper. You know, some of the greatest business deals, you know where they've happened? They've happened on napkins and restaurants. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. Well, I, think, I think the story of Alden Golf Course, I think he actually drew some on napkins the founder, Ruben Aldini, is that his name? I think Ruben. He actually would sit down and they actually started drawing out the golf course, the idea of it. It's amazing what a napkin will do, folks. And I'm telling you, as God starts to work and birth things in your spirit, and you grab onto things, you say, God, you know, who, uh, whom will I send? The Lord declares, this, Lord, send me, send me. I don't know, have anything. I don't have any clue about laundromat service. What do I have with laundry? I don't Half the time you do laundry around. What do I know about laundry? I've taken my clothes out of my closet today and every dress shirt. I'm like, what do you think about this one, Ann? I can't wear this. It's got a stain on it. What do you think about this one, Ann? It's got another stain on it. I don't know anything about laundry. <laughs> Instead of saying we can't, we will begin to proclaim we can. Folks, here's what I see. I see kids being touched, mothers and families affected, and blessed in the name of Jesus. That's what I see. Kind of funny, I saw a little kids area. Nice kids area. You know those laundry mats? As nice and utilitarian as they are, they're not a fun, they're very functional. I don't want our laundry mat to be functional. I want a laundry mat that's fun. Turn to someone and say, fun is better than functional. <laughs> I saw a kid's zone. They can play in there. You know, nice kids' toys. I saw a little computer set up so the mom, while she's doing laundry, can check things. Maybe have a Wi-Fi spot, whatever. So what do they need Wi-Fi for? Well, I guess they don't need a computer, do they? Hey, those people don't need computers. Coffee? Maybe have a cup of coffee there on the house. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be neat? Kids and mothers and families blessed in the name of Jesus. I see volunteers praying with these moms. Wouldn't that be cool? We see a scripture on the wall there that they come in there they don't exactly identify what our ministry is about. We're a ministry. This is where we start to recover the dream. This will require us to look to God who makes all things possible. Folks, I believe that what we're going to have to do is recover the dream of the 
impossible. We have said for far too long that can't be done or things won't change, or we tried that before, recovering the dream of the impossible. Stephen Bauman writes this, I believe there are no ordinary people, only people who are bold enough to think they can save a life or some corner of the world and fierce enough to try. You know, there are some people out in this world that are actually fierce enough to actually try to change the world. And I want us to be fierce. I want us to almost have like that lion type attitude that we're going to go after that and we're going to take this. And that's the kind of attitude. Or a call is to impact the city, to reach out and to touch and affect it. We have all heard the saying that the doors on your church would they be missed? I'm sorry. If the doors of your church were closed, would your church be missed? We've all heard that. And I think our church would be missed. So that's the neat thing with us, is that this church is really doing things. But as God calls us deeper into relationship with him and to partnering with him, there's going to be some really neat things that we're going to do. I don't want our church to not be missed. I... I want our church to be effective in saying, man, you are a very important part of what's going on here in Rockford. We here at Turning Point, I believe this, it's pretty amazing, are full of people excited and ready to go. And God will not disappoint. He will disrupt, but he won't disappoint. So there's a difference between disappointment and disruption. When God disrupts our life, it's kind of out of, out of, it's strange. We have to change our priorities. We have to change our schedules. We have to do things differently. See, that's the part. When people get disrupted, and that people get disrupted even with church life and stuff, God starts to convict you of some things you used to do in your life you can't do anymore. That's disruptive, and that's a good thing. Every spring, I disrupt the soil and wake that up so things can grow. We need disruptions in our life. And for me personally, it was Robert who disrupted me. I don't know why, but you know what? The interesting thing about Scripture, the Bible says this, is that you might be entertaining angels sometimes when you do this. Who knows? Robert could have been an angel on mission. Time to shake things up for all of us. T.S. Eliot's poem had a character, J. Alfred Profock, and he asked, do I dare disturb the universe? Stephen Bowman write this, his queries, not with courage or resolve, but with cynicism and cowardice, he has given up and resigned to finish out his days without any dreams or without any hopes. So do we dare disturb the universe here, is the question. And our little universe at Turning Point, do we dare disturb it? And I believe as we start to move forward in things that God's calling to us, and maybe the dream looks a little differently, whatever, all those kinds of things, I don't know how the details work out. I don't know how the details get ironed out. That's for another moment. But I do know today that we need to refuse to think small in our ideas and our prayers and our thoughts. I've said this before many times. Many of our prayers are ex extremely pat when we pray to God. When we come to God, we kind of have our own human identity with God and what he can do and what problems he can solve, what I can do, what Steve can solve, and God, maybe you can meet me somehow in the middle and we'll work this out. God is the God of impossibilities for our life. Jim Simbolo wrote this. It isn't obvious, or isn't it obvious, that if preaching alone were the answer, we would have seen a different America long ago. If good gospel music and radio programs and plush sanctuaries were the key, 
we would know it like that. So see, folks, we can get bigger, we can do crazier things, we can make things nicer, we can make Sunday be this perfectly functional thing on time and finish on time and everything being fluid. Now that's great for church folk. Church folk love entertainment. But will it change the world? Because if preaching was it long ago, there's millions of great preachers, thousands of them preaching every Sunday, preaching far better than me, they can do a better job. Music gets better and better and bigger and bigger, and our programs get more and more, and the world doesn't care. We're entertaining our own fish, and we cycle through the more fish. But people are not coming to Christ in America. It's time we start disturbing the universe. Andy Stanley wrote this. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not an exaggerating one. But when I say that your vision came from eternity to past and fulfilling it will have effects lasting into eternity future. I love that. When God gives you something, and maybe for your life, it's something completely different, unique. As far as the church goes as a body, we go in a certain place. But as far as your life, God's giving you a vision for something. He gave it to you from eternity past. How many family members, how many people in your life will actually affect for eternity future? I can tell you right now that praying moms and grandmas and grandpas as they're praying for their children and their loved ones all the way down. I am telling you those loved ones are effect, affected for eternity future. As they're given visions for those people of hope. As they're given visions of people saying, I know where they're at right now, but I see a future in them that they don't see about themselves right now. Do you see a future that God has for your family? How is turning point affecting eternity future? Number three is we're going to have to redefine our faith. Eric the Texas wrote this. He says that our intellect might be in the right place, but our hearts might not be engaged. You know, I love that because we can have our intellect, all everything lined up. We can have good doctrine. Our intellect might be in the right place, our mind, but our heart is far from it. What do you mean by your heart? Well, this is the part, this is this, the, the feelings part of your life, if you will, where you actually become connected once again to what you're doing. You actually, it's kind of greasing the joints and you start kind of moving into the things of God. And there is actually feeling, there's resolve, there's pain, there's conflict, there's just that passion that God gives you. Watchman E wrote this. All the worry and fret of God's children would end if their eyes were open to see the greatness of the treasure hid in their hearts. Do you know there are resources enough in your own heart to meet the demand of every circumstance in which you will ever find yourself? Do you know there is power enough to shape the universe? Let me tell you once more. I say it with utmost reverence. You who have been born again of the Spirit of God, you carry God in your heart. We carry inside of us everything to meet every circumstance we're faced with. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing here. So what happens is, as God orchestrates this, and I only know this just from knowledge of seeing what happened with our church here, I can take you step by step as God took us into this building. And this building didn't look anything like this here when we came here. I'm telling you the truth. How many were here at the very beginning of this hot mess? Okay, yeah, there you go. So we got a good core of people. When you were here, this was not here. 
We had people coming involved and getting involved. Ron blessed us. Ron was part of the floor team with me. We were doing all sorts of stuff. He got painters out here to do stuff for free. I had another guy that didn't even go to our church came in here. He was a plumber. He got all excited about things. He's like, this is crazy. I've never seen anything like this. He says, I'm going to do all your plumbing for free. Wonderful. The guy comes in. We started getting checks come out from people that weren't even coming to our church. We got money from people that didn't even, didn't even attend a service here. I'm just telling you, it happened. And it didn't happen magically. It happened because of a lot of people's knuckles getting bloody. But it was God who anointed every step of the way. In every circumstance we face, God will provide. And that's the key. I don't want our situation to be based on last year's scenario, last year's budget, last year's moment. I want this to be about future and saying God is going to do something that to us and our own eyes would be impossible. Turn to someone and say, it just might be impossible. May our faith be filled with greatness of our God in our everyday lives. A.W. Tozer wrote it like this. A basic truth of the Bible is that the source of most evil is a low opinion of God. I read that and I was convicted in my own life. We always try to make God in our own image. He goes on to write and pull him down to our size. I'm sure, he says, that there are many deacons who conceive of God as a particularly large and very intelligent and good deacon. And then try to make God think like them. He goes on to write, it's not my business to try to make God think like me. It's my business to try to think like him through prayer and meditation. For God may be in his image, I cannot make him in mine. See, we want God, we want to trim God down to our size. We want to make God more like us and to think like us and to be like us. God is not us. We become more like God as we go from Glory to glory, we expand out and do wonderful things for Christ because we, who are created in His image, become like Him. I want to be like Christ. I want to put on the mind of Christ. So when we start to dream again and we start to do those beautiful things, we are in essence putting on the mind of Christ. We're taking off our old thoughts and our own patterns and we're saying, God, teach me to think big thoughts like you do. Galatians 5.25 says this, Since we are living in by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. When we're living by the Spirit, the Bible says that we have to be led by the Spirit. There's, there's two things that can end up happening there. We can either get ahead of God. How many of you have been ahead of God before? You get ahead of God a little bit, and that's one thing I want to be very careful of as we're going step by step and using, you know, the Bible declares it that, that there's wisdom and much counsel. So as we step out and do things and we come up with the best thing, the Bible says to be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. We've got to use wisdom. But as we're stepping out, are we being led by the Spirit and we continue to walk, walk with God? I think the big thing here is don't just plan for good enough. I don't ever want us to think, hey, this is good I want us to always find better ways and look for better opportunities and see great things. E. Stanley Jones wrote this. Most people plot and plan themselves into mediocrity, while now and again somebody forgets himself into greatness. And I want us to be people 
who forget ourselves into greatness. We get our eyes off ourselves. Get our eyes off our own little problems. God, I need this fixed, and I need that fixed. And folks, there's nothing wrong with praying through problems and saying, God, give me solutions to this. But I think sometimes as we get our eyes off of our own little scenario, that all of a sudden we start looking at that and we go, God, I'm going to pour my heart into that. Some of this stuff kind of starts to fade away, doesn't it? It will take you and me forgetting about ourselves, our problems, our lack, our stumbling. It will take us forgetting so that we can jump into greatness. Jim Simler wrote this. We have millions of churchgoers who sit in pews every week without entering the game. They never sacrifice anything, strain towards no ministry goals, never agonize in prayer for one soul, but pass judgment on how well the contest of faith is being played. Often they act as if they know. It looks easy from where they're sitting, but then again, they have never really attempted much for God. millions of people, and I think about the whole agonizing part of it, to agonize. To agonize over people's lives. Man, I want to agonize over my neighbor that doesn't know the Lord. I want to agonize over the struggles that family might be going through. I want to be an agonizer. I want to be somebody who wrestles. I want to be somebody who prays. I want to be somebody who goes after that. Let's make some heroic attempts Jim Simbler goes on to write, the Christian who is willing to risk body and soul and the struggle against evil is of a different mind. He knows there will be difficult moments and all kinds of pressure. He knows he will need to summon all of his strength as well as God's in order to prevail. He is a champion for God and he dares to plunge into the contest. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Today, continue talking about the not normal Christian life and God challenging us. And I don't know how God challenges you today. Last week we took a stand and many people stood up here to say, you know what? I'm moving forward in what God's calling me to do. And I don't want you just to grab the picture of a laundry mat. I want you to grab a picture of your family. I want you to grab a picture of where God has you in your business, your family life, as a, maybe as a spouse, as a parent. Maybe as a young one, as a teenager, maybe God's calling you to set up and reach out to some friends. Maybe some of you didn't even have a friend. You're going to be there for them at school in their situation. But one thing I don't want us to do is to say, there's nothing I can do to bring about change. I don't want us to have the normal Christian life. I want us to be heroes. I want us to be those who kind of step out and do some unusual things for Christ by all means to lead someone to the Lord. And it will require all of us. Today, you're here. This is again as a splash over from last week. But you say, you know what? God is speaking to my life right now in my heart to step out. 
Maybe it's a particular area. Maybe you've lost a dream. Maybe you've even lost hope in that. And I want you to know that God who has spoken in eternity past wants to speak through you and to use you for eternity future. Today, if that's you and you say, you know what? Christ is calling me and calling me to commit and calling me to take a stand and to step out in faith. Why don't you raise your hand real quick when I pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit ministers and as we're being led by the Spirit and you know full well God's assuring you and he's giving you confidence. I want us all to pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I thank you that I'm not a normal Christian. That God, you're calling me to do great things in your name. Help me, Lord. Fill me with faith. pray again today as you are ordering our footsteps here at Turning Point as a church. What beautiful things have been going on at this church for many years. What unique things, what great experiences we can look back at and celebrate. In the spirit of this church, Father, I thank you, God, for just defining this new chapter, this new moment. As those pages are being turned, Father, in eternity, God, I thank you that many lives will be affected. Whatever it is, God, you call us to and how we are to do it. God, I thank you that you fill us with wisdom and knowledge. Give us favor, Lord, and practical ways. God, as we step out, Lord Jesus, may there be opportunities that we didn't even see there before. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your blessing. And God, I speak now for those families that have raised their hand. Lord Jesus, they're standing on the gap for something. They're dreaming again. Lord, I pray, God, that you fill them with your spirit and do beautiful things for them, God, as you disrupt areas of their life and things are awakened. God, you're going to be doing awesome things. I pray a blessing over them, God, as they step out into the areas they didn't step out in before. And we thank you for that. Give them wisdom. Give them guidance. We speak against the enemy right now and say no weapon formed against them will ever prosper. We claim that blessing in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen, folks. Love you guys. You get the grill out on Labor Day or something. Do something. Don't do anything. It's Labor Day. Yeah. We love you guys. Have a great, great week.